The Hoop Collective is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday morning this week. Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, where he's going up and down the East Coast. The Celtics are on the West Coast, Bontemps. Mm, so I that's know you're out there seeing Celtics. I, I'm not allowed to go anywhere warm, so I am telling you. <laughs> you're waiting for the warmth to come to you. That's right. That's that's my that's my lot in life is to wait for the warmth to come to me. Well, you're you a human be- cold front. That is exactly right. <laughs> you will be in New York later this week, which is where how about Ben McMahon on the East Coast? He's in New York where he's at the uh, Nets Mavericks game, which came down to the buzzer on Wednesday night. And he's headed down to Philly, I think, today. The best part about this, um, uh, Bontes, before I introduce him, uh, he had to change his train. He's taking the train. Oh, I'm aware of him having to change his train. I'm very aware. The Texan didn't know how to handle being on Amtrak. Uh, he had no idea how long it was on the train from New York to Philly, number one. It, it could have been eight hours, 17 hours. He had no idea. He had no idea it was like an hour and 25 minutes. And then secondly, <laughs> when it came to change his train, you might have you might as well ask him to book a ticket to the moon. No, no. And first of all, I knew it was like an hour and change. Second of all, you haven't been introduced they... yet. Oh, howdy, partners. <laughs> how are you guys doing? <laughs> Their damn uh, website wasn't working. Like I got to the right screen, clicked the box. It doesn't do anything. So I had to call. <laughs> so I would say shout out to Amtrak, but come on, man, get your stuff together. I heard Bontemps had to bail you out. Bontemps offered and contributed very little to the process. <laughs> Actually, Bontemps right. did find me the schedule. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Well, while I McMahon uh, navigates the uh, the Eastern Corridor there, um, we're going to stay in the Eastern Corridor for the first part of this uh, podcast. And before we talk about your Mavericks, uh, McMahon, because they are uh, one of the most fascinating teams in the league at the moment. Um, Philly, uh, with the big game we mentioned on Friday against the, the Mavericks, Philly got a win uh, Wednesday night in Cleveland. The Cavs continue to take it on the chin as a, as a side note. And now our, you know, as we sit here in our virtual tie for the six seed, um, a half game plus the tiebreaker ahead of Toronto, Toronto has gone four and oh on a West coast trip. five and oh, actually is it five swept and oh now they swept I've been the telling trip. you guys, Scotty Barnes for rookie of the year. I don't know if you guys were on that. Well, rookie of the year is still open in my mind. Um, but Toronto has pulled into a tie, which is relevant uh, because uh, the, where the seventh seed is relative to the Nets, who are in eight, is a big deal, uh, especially considering Kyrie can't play in Toronto. So while all that's going on, the 76ers are one of the most important teams to watch down the stretch of the season. Uh, Bontemps, you are you cover them. You're with them every few days. Um in Cleveland, they uh, held on in the fourth quarter. There was a comeback attempt by the Cavs, uh, who are just wounded right now. Uh, no Jared Allen. Um, but Philly has had sort of an up-and-down stretch here um, after the All-Star break, was, which, which is when James Harden joined them. Uh, Embiid is playing very, very well. He had another 30-point mm-hmm. game Wednesday night. He's actually averaging two more points a game since Harden started playing for the team. Harden hasn't played in every game, so I think it's nine games he's played with them. But uh, in those nine games relative to before, uh, Embiid is averaging two more points a game. So I thought his scoring would go down. It's only gone up. Um, but they have mixed results, Bontemps. They have some nice wins, okay wins, but they got beat by the Nets on their home floor. They got beat in Miami um, uh, when it mattered. They got beat by Boston. Um, how do you judge where Philly is into this early Harden experiment so far? I think it's gone pretty much the way I expected it to in that they have massive strengths and they have massive weaknesses. And depending on the team they play, those strengths and weaknesses, you know, play out the way you would expect. I mean, obviously with James Harden and Joel Embiid, you have probably the two best guys getting the foul line in the league. They get a ton of foul shots to get a ton of easy points. They score a lot of points as a team. Uh, however, the backup center situation is an absolute disaster. 
They have no athleticism on their team. Their transition defense is particular is predictably terrible. We'll get to that more in a second. Um, so, and, and their shooting from the outside is really streaky. So you combine all that together and they're a team that when James Harden step back is going down, when their perimeter guys are making shots, they look like they're going to score 145 points a night. And they look like a fantastic team. If they play a team that's got really good wing scores, like the Brooklyn Nets, like the Boston Celtics, they quickly run into a lot of trouble because they have nobody to guard them. And if they have teams that could take advantage of them and run, they start to look pretty rough pretty quick too. After the game, they played against the Nets when they lost by a thousand points. Kevin Durant just flat out said, we know they're slow. We tried to run them off the court. They did. In Monday's game, in the, the battle of the MVP candidates, Nikola Jokic, I think, had five or six assists where he just took the ball and chucked it ahead to somebody for a layup because they just ran past the entire Sixer defense and got an easy bucket. Yeah, I forgot about that. They lost the Nuggets, too. That's another bad loss. Of yeah, of course you forgot about that. Yeah, of course you forgot about <laughs> of course that. But, but, but as I tweeted, all that proved was that Jokic has a better supporting cast than, than Embiid. The people in Denver did not. Enjoy yeah, Embiid that. is really. Yeah, Embiid is Sarcasm. really struggling. I can't believe anybody would view him at the top of the MVP. You're at right. the end. Once at again. the end of the day. At the end of the day, I have had when the when the Sixers made this trade, I thought it gave them a chance to win the title, which is why I understood they made it. But at the same time, I thought their flaws are going to be too much for them to overcome. Mm-hmm. And we're now a month into this experiment, and that's still where I sit. I look at them compared to teams like Milwaukee and Philly. And if Brooklyn can ever get whole, Brooklyn, maybe even Miami, and they just have too many weaknesses, I think, to beat any of those teams. Because ultimately, in the playoffs, as you guys know, it's not necessarily about what you're good at. It's about what it's about mitigating your weaknesses and not allowing teams to take advantage of them. And the Sixers have these just gigantic, gaping weaknesses in their team that I just don't see any way they can solve. Well, and the and you know, Wendy, you said the Nets beat them. We need to use a, a much more aggressive verb there. They absolutely humiliated them. They stole their soul. I mean, that was an embarrassing performance. And listen, James Harden has a track record of sometimes shrinking when the lights get brightest. And that was kind of a classic James Harden big game performance uh, where he disappeared they lose, and then he reappears at a club with some of his rapper buddies after the game. I mean, it had all the elements of a, of a big game James Harden failure. Harden has the most to prove of any player in the NBA. Two straight years, he's chosen his destination. Um, you know, last year, the, the, the hamstring failed him. Look, he chose his situation, so there, there's no excuses. We can talk about roster flaws around him. This is, this is, the, this is what he wanted. It's what he chose. And Bontemps, what do you see as the Sixers' priority down the stretch of the regular season? I, I think that we've got to talk about there's no way in hell they want the two seed, right? They don't yeah. want to see – they don't want – I mean, we'll that's, I think, that's I think, we'll, I think we'll get – I think we'll get to that. I think we'll get to the seeding part in a minute because uh, that, that that plays into the Brooklyn conversation we'll have later. Yeah. I and think – No, I was well, going to say another priority yeah, is Embiid getting the scoring title. <laughs> but so those two things, what, what are the other priorities for this team down the stretch of the regular season? Look, I think that the entire Sixer season boils down to this. I've been saying since the start of the season on the pod, as you guys know, that James Harden does not look like the same guy as he did mm-hmm. before he hurt his hamstring a year ago. He doesn't have the same burst. He can't get by people that that player that for the first two months of last season was a guy that people were talking about as being a possible MVP, despite the insanity that went on in Houston. That was an indication of just how good James Harden was playing. He's never looked like that guy again since he hurt his hamstring. And he doesn't look like that guy now. He can't get by anybody. And so to me, if this team wants to actually be a legitimate championship level team and wants to win a championship this year, the only way that can happen is if that version of James Harden comes back. And so to me, the next month of the whatever, we got what, 24, got three and a half weeks left in the regular season. Can James Harden get back to being that player again between now and the playoffs in a month? That, to me, is the whole story of the Sixers season because the the flaws are not going to change. They can't fix any of this stuff. After Monday's game, it was hilarious hearing Doc Rivers say their transition defense is disappointing. James Harden saying they were being – they just had to get back on defense – 
Joel saying they were lazy. I mean, this team is going to be a terrible transition defense team. We knew that before they made the trade. So that that's not going to change. Like all their flaws are there. So it's right. just whether Joel Embiid and James Harden can out talent their flaws. We know Joel yeah. can do it right now. James Harden does not look like a top five to seven player. If he's not a top five to seven player, this team is cooked. You see glimpses. You see glimpses of it with Harden, but you're right. for For this season, it has been just okay. And I think you know people got all excited uh, when he gets there, and you know it's and he blew up the first few games. You know well, they played second. three. They played they played the Wolves, who foul weren't any team in the league, and then they played yeah. the Knicks twice. And right. James Harden was hitting his step back. And like you said, mm-hmm. the glimpses are when James Harden's hitting his step back. But honestly, I don't care if he's hitting his step back because he's not going to do that all the time. The, 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 he needs to get his burst back and be able to get to the rim and make plays the way he did before he hurt his hamstring. I just wonder if he's permanently lost a step from that hamstring injury. And if he has, like, he's just not a top five player. He's still really good. Yeah. But this team traded for him thinking they were getting a top five player, not a top 20 to 25 player. Two things like, I've that's noticed. That's where they're at now. Two things I've noticed watching them late at the end of close games. One is that. Tobias Harris is turns into a wallflower. They run nothing for him. Now we can debate. It's not much of a debate. You know, his contract is higher than his output as a player. He is being paid like an all-star. He is not an all-star, but he's a $35 million fourth option. All right. I know, but sometimes they act like he's an eighth option. They don't do anything for him. I mean, this guy, like I remember this guy, being able to execute in half court settings when you put him in pick and roll action, especially with a with a with a with a dribbler who is a threat to to, to drive or shoot, he can do some things. They don't run any. Now he did have a decent game on Wednesday night against the Cavs. When it comes down to it, they don't run anything for him. He is just out there spacing the floor and and passing the ball on. And, and and Harden said it like basically. He essentially said he's a catch and shoot guy. He needs to be ready to to, to shoot the ball, spot up and shoot. Right, that's Which has never mistake. been Tobias. It's never been Tobias's strengths. Like you can you could talk about his contract, whatever. Tobias is a guy who's used to having the ball in his hands, like you said, Brian. The way they're using him and just having it basically stand there and be Ryan Anderson. It, it's not yeah. it, like you need to try to find a way to maximize what he's giving you, and they're minimalizing. They're minimizing what he's giving them with the way they're using him. The second thing is, and Bontemps, you've been pointing this out. Their closing lineup. They they have been taking the ball. They have been taking Matisse Thibel out of the game hmm. and finishing with George's Niang. And in the was it the Denver game? Which game was it where Niang had the ball in his hand repeatedly, wide open, missing? Well, three? he he was two for ten on Monday, and then he I was one for, I think he hit one or two threes last night. I just, Cleveland. I, I mean, if you don't, you don't believe in Danny Green and you don't believe in, in uh, Thibel, you're taking off the guys that you need to have out there to defend the big, strong wing players. That the mm-hmm. that, that's the whole point of the way this team is designed. You you have to have your best defend your size wings out there, and I mean Niang is a is a is a plus defender, but he's not Thibel. I wouldn't say he's a plus defender. I would say he's adequate, but, okay. uh, but I, and I would also yeah, say yeah. he's adequate. I would say he's adequate at power forward against other like solid power forwards. He's not w- a guy you're going to put out there to guard Kevin Durant or somebody. Yeah. I would say he plays hard, but is certainly limited athletically. Uh, yes. CD jazz series against the Clippers last season. Yes. Um, I would, I would also say playing a man named the minivan, a uh, nickname, the minivan <laughs> is not exactly a way to, uh, address your transition defense issues. <laughs> no. Well, and look, here's the thing, right? And I love everybody talks about Matisse Thibel. Everybody talks about Matisse Thibel like he's prime Gary Payton. Matisse Thibel is a really good defensive player. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to have him on an all defensive team this year. And the reason mm-hmm. why I'm, I'm for two reasons. One, he's not a guy that you could put on somebody and he can lock a guy down. Like despite the fact that everybody thinks he's like this Kawhi Leonard type guy, he's not. That's not what he is. He's, he's a defensive he's, playmaker. He's, he's a defensive a, playmaker. That's yeah. exactly what he is. He's a guy where if you have another really good wing player, like when they had Ben Simmons on the team and he could guard the best player and then Matisse could fly around and make instinctual reactionary plays and get steals and deflections and blow plays up. That's where he excels. 
a much that's better one, version, a much better version of Robert Covington. Hundred percent. That's that's the first part. The second part is at the end of the day, I think to be on the all defensive team, you have to be able to be on the court in the moments that matter. And very clearly, you could say whether this is yeah. the right choice or not by Doc Rivers. He's become such a liability on offense that Doc Rivers has decided he can't be on the court when it matters. Like at the last night, you have Darius Garland and Karis Levert out there, two good scoring players, and the Sixers are trying to guard them with Tyrese Maxey and James Harden and George Niang hmm. because Doc Rivers decided he needed to have somebody who he can have the threat of making a three instead of Matisse Thibel, who every time he shoots at this point, you expect them to miss. Yeah, like, and there's there's probably an, an offensive role that Thibel's capable of that's similar to, you know, Gary Payton II or, or Bruce Brown, but you're not going to have that that role with the big fella who, right. listen, if you're not, if you're not giving the big I mean, fella that is ball the ball on the blocker at the right. elbow. That is the role, Tim, that he's got to play, right? They're trying to have him do like cuts to the rim and getting him for lobs for dunks and stuff. But like he's, they have to have a guy spacing the floor yeah. around and beating hard. They have to. And he's getting the just absolutely wide open shots and there's no confidence he's going to make them. So he's not playing down the stretch. And again, you could say, Maybe Doc should have him out there. Maybe he shouldn't. But, like, it's a defendable decision because of how bad Matisse is on offense. And this goes back to what we what I said at the beginning. This team just has massive, massive weaknesses and is just a bizarre construction of players around these two guys. It's just going to be very hard for them, I think, to beat any kind of elite team in the playoffs as a result. Yeah. Like you they said, might have they to need... be three. They might have to be three elite teams. Right. Right. Yeah. Or four. Well, yeah, I'm just talking about to get out of the East. Yeah. Right. And, and it really does come down to this. James Harden has to play at a first-team All-NBA level. Yep. Um, he shot 32% from the floor in the last five games. It's a small sample size, but, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, we started going through the whole season. It ain't that small of a sample size, and he is not, you know. And in Brooklyn, it was, oh, he doesn't want to be there. He quit. Well, you want to be in Philly. Swagoo and Perk. An ESPN podcast led by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, that's Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins, that's uh, Perk. We've got new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives, career journeys, and their can't-miss conversations. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million. For your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit vividseats.com to download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. They were the number one seed in the East on Christmas, right? And James Harden did not look like a top five to seven player all season, even when things were good in Brooklyn. Yeah, no he does doubt. not look like the same guy. And look, when... The Sixers had the big press conference and, you know, Daryl's up there with his guy and everything was happy and hunky dory. They traded for a guy who they looked at as one of the five or seven best players in the NBA. They got. Well, Daryl traded for a guy who he thinks is one of the five or seven best players in NBA history. Well, right. So that's, they got a guy that's supposed to be a super duper star, top level MVP candidate, 
best player on the floor potentially every night. And he's a clear second fiddle to Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. which again, good player, definitely better than not having anyone play at all, which is what Ben Simmons would have been. But it's not good enough to overcome the flaws that this team has. And like you said, whatever their focuses are down the stretch, that's the only focus they can have because these other problems mm-hmm. they've got, they're just completely incapable of fixing. Like this backup center thing, we haven't even talked about DeAndre Jordan. That's a complete disaster. They, they can't solve that. Who could that, have seen that coming? Well, like, but, but to be fair to Doc only, on Only this, the Mavericks and the Knicks and the Nets and the Lakers. To, and be, <laughs> to be fair to Doc Rivers on this one, I think he's still a better option than Paul Millsap was, which was an like absolute non-starter. Like, there's just no options here. It's not like he's choosing from a series of bad options. I just I think do, they're kind of drawing know, dead. The, the, the thing about that trade, and I think, this, I think this has been reported. I don't think this is any newsworthy, but like, the the Drummond move where they where Drummond was in the deal was like that was the last minute thing when they were haggling at the very end. In fact, I think. Well, Doc flat out said it when when okay. he talked right after the trade because I I for people that don't know he became very tight with uh, one of Doc's kids. I think they went to high school together or something. But he's known Drummond for a long time. And he mm-hmm. recruited him to come to Philly. And he, he even said after the trade. That a couple of days before the trade, he had a chance to sit and talk with Seth, who obviously is his son-in-law, and like talk to him about the fact that he, there, if this happened, he was going to be in the deal because everybody knew at that point that um, the, the the Nets wanted Seth in the trade. But like he even said, yeah, Drummond never thought he was getting traded at all. He was just thrown in at the end. Drummond actually was the guy who talked to the media. I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, on deadline day at like 12:30, and then was in the deal an hour later. So, I no. mean, I, I have to say, like, I, I mean, I understand why the, the Nets wanted him, but, like, it's a pretty good move to take that oh, guy. It was, a, it was a slick move, yeah, 100%. Uh, you know, it's a, it was a pretty good move. And, I mean, I don't know the exact Nets motivations, but the Nets had backup bigs. Um, I mean, you know, he helped many. them. They have no rebounding. He definitely I didn't. Help, I, know, but, I know. But it's a bigger loss for the Sixers, for sure. Yes. Like, Drummond yes. was a really, really good backup center. Yeah. He really helped them. Yeah. Yes. He Drummond, Drummond grabbed every rebound when he was on the floor last night, but he still got played off the floor because, well, <laughs> I mean, right. pick and roll defense with, with Luke right. operating. No. But and, I'll tell you what, right. the Sixers were taken back. So a couple oh, of things, sure. a couple of things. So Embiid's shooting is down about 4%. Again, relatively small sample size. Embiid's shooting percentages, uh, both from three point and overall, are down a little bit since. Um, since Harden got there, uh, he's shooting 46% after shooting 50% overall, 35% on threes after shooting 37% on threes before that. His usage is down uh, slightly as well. So, you know, their offense is actually performing a little bit better, but he's being a little bit less efficient. They, their offense is performing slightly better, but he's less efficient. It isn't the, they're not yet getting the, the bounce with that pairing. Uh, he, but he's, he is going to the line 15 times a game. So I don't know if he's less efficient. His well, field goal percentage is down slightly. He's right, going to the line right. 15 times a game in that stretch. True. You're that, right. and, so, and shooting at 85% from the line. That That's yeah, pretty shooting, efficient. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and Max he's, is up too, but their, but their results have been uneven. So, yeah. um, and, and honestly, I, I do think that Embiid's percentages might dip a bit the rest of the season because look, he's chasing a scoring title. He, it's just a fact. And, and he's competing against one of the most shameless stat chasers in, 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 in that I've ever seen. And I'd say that with all due respect, LeBron is, you know, in the conversation for the greatest player of all time, but it, LeBron seems to have, figured out, man, I've only got one thing to play for this season, and it's that damn scoring title at age 37, <laughs> which would be historic. And the man is playing 40 minutes in blowout. The other night his numbers. Yeah, the other night. So they lost that game in, in uh, Phoenix, and then they played a back-to-back the following night against Toronto, got down by 20 points like the first five minutes of the game. Um, that second night of that back-to-back, LeBron played over 40 minutes. As a game-time f- decision. That's right. It was the first time he had played over 40 minutes in the second night of a back-to-back in more than three years. And how many of those 30 came in the fourth quarter? I don't remember. A lot. I don't, I don't have it in front of you me. You know, the but... thing about it is these Laker games, 
they're constantly down like 25 points and I turn them off and go to bed. And then oh, I wake that's when up the comedy and, starts. Then I wake up in the morning and I read, Oh, the Lakers cut it to four with six minutes left. Oh, the Lakers had a shot to tie the game with 12 seconds left. Like, and I'm like, Oh my, I mean, these, these, uh, these, you know, I guess that it's hasn't not been happening. Time. That hasn't been happening lately. Lately, well, but they just they been getting did, drilled. Well, it, it happened again Wednesday night. They were down huge and they cut it all the way down to four in the fourth quarter. That one that was a central central time zone game. So well, they they, you know, they you lost. Know they also lost night. that game by twenty. Last I know, <laughs> but I'm telling you, they cut yeah. it down to four. <laughs> so with, with LeBron having the worst plus minus on the uh, on the floor because he does like he's not gonna his energy is going to be put towards putting the ball in the basket. Well, they ain't gonna be put towards. You want to talk about transition defense problems? <laughs> well, how about transition offense? There was a possession against the Wolves on um, on uh, Wednesday night where LeBron was. He got beat on the perimeter, and there was nobody there to help. Now, okay, I guess you get beat on the perimeter, but he's been getting beat on the perimeter a lot. He gets beat on the perimeter. There's no center in the game. I'm not exactly sure what he thought was going to be back there, but he gets beat on the perimeter, and it gives up an easy layup. And he gets so frustrated that he doesn't run back down on offense. The Lakers ran the entire possession with four offensive players, and LeBron was down there talking to the Laker pinch, apparently about the I mean, defensive in, possession. In his defense... Down. At about that age in pickup games, I started selectively deciding when I was going to cross half court. I think he's slightly better conditioned well, than I was. It's one at that thing point to, life, to but... not cross half court on defense, especially when you think there's a fast break going. It's another thing to never cross half court on offense. <laughs> well, for for a half court offensive set, that is impressive. It was. By the way, uh, Pat else. Beverly's revenge tour versus Russell Westbrook continued last night, and hell hath no fury like a scorned Pat Bev. My goodness gracious. Well, yeah, that was some incredibly disrespectful stuff towards woo! Westbrook by him and Carl Towns. Well, the, the one sh- Westbrook gets the ball in the corner in the fourth quarter, the game's decided, and he takes a wide open fourth uh, uh, three pointer from the corner. And it was a you know, a 19 foot shot and 20 foot shot that he shot about 22 feet. And the reaction th- throughout the entire arena, mm. like was amazing. The, the wolves bench, Carl Towns is mocking him. Pat Bev is mocking him. Um, it was, uh, dude, it was can something. we please let this end up being like, it looks Grizzlies Timberwolves. That will be the most bleep talking series. First round series. <laughs> like both those teams, be, bop, 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 it would, bop, bop, It would be fun. By the way, there's a Kirk Goldsberry story on our site right now that says uh, the headline is the scoring title might be the only title LeBron is playing for this year. I think we can remove Mike from that. I, I'm, I'm pretty, I, if I end up looking bad about that in four months and the Lakers come back and win the title, fine. You can play this clip all you want. I feel pretty good about saying that's going to be the only one he's got a shot to win. Right. Maybe maybe the uh, the nine ten playing title. <laughs> Before we uh, transition to the Nets, Bontemps, you have tri- you have trivia. I do have Woo! trivia. I do have trivia. Brought to you by Carmax on the lot or online. Carmax for the best modern car buying experience brings this this trivia question. Carmax for some reason continuing to sponsor the trivia question after all the foibles that you've put on it. Uh, there are two. Your charm. I was in. Uh, I was. I was at the Garden on Sunday for the reunion of the Big Three and for Kevin Garnett's uh, jersey retirement uh, and Ray Allen's campaign uh, beginning to have his jersey retired, which I thought was kind of funny. Also, Spencer uh, Dinwiddie campaigning to have his Mavericks number retired. But go Spencer, on, Spencer <laughs> playing very well this week. We'll get to that. Uh, there are two teams, though. The, the Celtics have a thousand jersey numbers retired. You can guess how many mm-hmm. if you want. But the the uh, Trivia question is, uh, there are two teams that have not retired a jersey yet. Which two teams, teams that have not retired a jersey yet. Hmm. Grizzlies? Incorrect. No, Zebo's up in the rafters. Oh, that, was, right. that was the first one. Yeah, okay. it is the first one. Fitty for the city. Uh, Shout out to Stats Williams again for the stat. Timberwolves, I believe. Incorrect. Really? Who are they? Who have they retired? Rick Sealy. Uh, okay. Oh, I know KG is not up there. KG is yeah. not up there. KG That's made right. a point several times on Sunday uh-huh. to bring up ownership and how great ownership was in Boston, mm-hmm. which is not a coincidence. <laughs> right. Very subtle. Yes. Yeah. KG, um, not subtle. The Thunder. 
Uh, that is also incorrect. Well, the Sonics have retired Man, jerseys. No, see, I don't. That, I get. I get an asterisk on that. Don't. Don't mm, give me an asterisk. That's bull. <laughs> give me an asterisk. <laughs> I mean, they don't. They they even are. You know, they've given out KD's number. Teams that have not retired the Raptors. Raptors are one. Okay. Okay. Never Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, number seven. He will, he will no one is wearing. No one seven. will wear number seven again, and probably no one will wear Demar's number ten again either. I would guess, but uh, yeah. Uh, but that uh, that those have not been retired yet. Hmm. I'm gonna say Raptors and. What about the Pelicans? Yeah, they got to be some Hornets numbers, right? No. Yeah. What? Speak Hornets up. is not the answer. Well, I was waiting for an actual answer. You guys were Pelicans. Like, I said on. Pelicans. That is not the answer. <clears throat> hmm. Somebody else who doesn't have any jerseys retired. Yep. All right. You you you've stumped us. Actually, Stats Williams has stumped us. You just pass it on. Clippers are the other team. Well, how the hell is Bill Walton's number not retired? I guess he just he got played like four. There. He played like four games for the Clippers. <laughs> played about as much as Kyrie has played for the Nets. Did, maybe they retired like his, uh, you know, his ankle brace or his foot cast. Huh. What about um, Blake? Will oh, probably get his jersey retired. I, would I was guess. Gonna, I was actually. What about Piatkowski? <laughs> Ola Candy or Ola Candy. Oh, uh, all right. So well, your trivia question this week. Speaking I was of Kyrie, guess the Clippers, but they've been around so damn long. They haven't had a single guy. Jeez. Yeah. So um, speaking of Kyrie, Brooklyn Nets on the road this season. Okay. Number one D, uh, offense in the league on the road. Their point differential when on the road is plus 3.7. Per 100 possessions, they outscore the opposition by 3.7 points. That's third, according to the stats I'm looking at, third in the league for a road team. Um, when they play at home this year, their point differential is 26th minus 3.8, almost exactly the same. Mm. The difference between the Nets – now, granted – those are season long numbers and that's going to be weighed down by the fact that they played a whole bunch of home games without Durant and Kyrie. Um, I'm not saying that that statistic is, is the be all end all, but it's an illustration of the vast difference that Kyrie makes. There is a slight difference between having a guy who can score 60 in a game and then not having them. And and last night as the Mavs come back down the stretch of the fourth quarter, they're they're doubling, and they did this to Steph Curry when they uh, when they beat the Warriors recently. They're they're doubling them. They're basically saying, "Listen, you're gonna have to work like hell to even get a shot up." And KD did manage to hit the go ahead three late, but like he could barely get the ball in his hands, and he's all frustrated. He's taking those swipes at Dorian Finney-Smith. Why'd you pay him fifty two million dollars? Well, it's fifty five, but anyways, uh, you know, see a defender. Did he say that? Yes. Yeah, he's like, I didn't see that. He called he called out Dorian Finney Smith's contract. Like, is, is is he a defender? You're gonna have to use this strategy for the next four years. And I'm like, well, it was pretty good strategy. And so, like, you're taking a swipe at Dorian Finney Smith for executing as you know, he's a good role player executing the game plan to help his team win. That's why they paid him because he's a good role player, executes games, game plans, and helps his team win. But like, there's a really simple solution for teams not being able to throw double teams at KD down the stretch, but it's, you know, we can like, it ain't happening. You know, it well, is the, like, the big news before we talk be about that, the games. big news that happened um, on, on Wednesday with the nets was that Steve Nash. Mm. First off, I mean, like I love, I like Steve as a person. I really do. He is <laughs> some of the stuff that he's been saying publicly to the media this year. It's just, I don't even know what to say, but two days ago he goes, I'm extremely confident. I am extremely confident that Ben Simmons is going to play for us in the regular season. The day he said that, or within 24 hours of him saying that, Ben Simmons had had an epidural injection in his back, Mm. which Steve Nash announced yesterday that while, was it while they, uh, Bontemps 
did he did he have it done in Orlando or did it happen while they were while the Orlando? team was there? Right. Because okay. I saw someplace where it was like it was in Orlando and I go, that doesn't make any sense. So right. anyway, I've I, I have no the same about- day, Steve, the same day Steve Nash said that he was I'm extremely sure. hopeful the yeah. same day he got the epidural on his back. So first off, as a reminder, and it's easy to forget this, I had to go look this up myself. But when the league shut down two years ago in this last week in 2020, Ben Simmons was sidelined at that time indefinitely because of a nerve impingement in his back with the Sixers. And Brett Brown later said that had the season not shut down, that he didn't think that Simmons would have been able to play the rest of the year. That even when they restarted the season in in June of that year, he still wasn't 100% right. And remember, he came back into the bubble and then hurt his knee and wasn't able to play. But he had that back issue two years ago. So now Woj and Ramona report that this is a L4 issue in his lower back. Um, There have been players who have gotten this epidural injection and it has made a significant difference and they have been able to come back and play after a few days rehabbing. But it always, I shouldn't say always, it almost always implies that there's something more serious involved. I'm not going to take a guess, but epidurals mask symptoms. They don't fix problems. Right. That's number one. Number two, this is not a guy who had been playing right. and you're going to be able to reactivate. Woj said that he, they were hoping for, to get him to play the last week of the season. Bon temps. This is a real setback. So we can go on and on about, what's going to happen with Kyrie. But when we were judging this Nets team, we were under the belief that Simmons was going to be able to come back Mm -hmm. at this point, even though I know that these epidurals do historically do work. How can you count on Simmons for anything at this point? You can't, I'm operating on the assumption Ben Simmons is going to play this season. And I think that's the only logical assumption you can have at this point. I mean, remember, this guy has had one half-ass practice the entire season. So what was it. five on he five? Hasn't. Yeah. And, but eight, that's it. And that was eight months ago or six months ago or whatever. That mm-hmm. was in October. I mean, he's done nothing since then. He's done nothing with the Nets. He's had no – he's done nothing beyond one-on-zero light workouts with the Nets. So you're telling me that this guy – who had an epidural on his back this week with three weeks to go in the regular season is going to successfully ramp all the way up to be ready to play before the playoffs start. Or you're then going to tell me that this guy, Ben Simmons, you're going to throw him into his first game in the playoffs. Mm. I don't really see that happening, especially when you have to remember the Brooklyn Nets historically are an extraordinarily cautious team when it comes to injuries. This under Sean Marks, they've been very, slow to bring guys back. They, they take extra time on time, like all that stuff. Like you look at the entire thing together. It's just extremely, extremely difficult to see how they're going to get Ben Simmons back in three weeks. And by the way, on top of that, set aside all that other stuff. We already know Ben Simmons has had a lot of issues in the playoffs in the past and is mm-hmm. certainly a, a complicated guy to try to fit into your team. Even if you have Kyrie Irving in, uh, Kevin Durant. I mean, he's a, I think he's a t- tremendously talented player, but he's also one that you've got to use in pretty unique and specific ways. You're going to try to just jam that in, in the playoffs I, or right. Or like in the final two days before the regular season ends, I, it's just very hard to see how this ends in any way other than him just not play for me. Well, at, l- at least we know that the, he wasn't using the back to try to duck a, uh, a return to Philly. I guess <laughs> if you're looking for some sort of silver lining, but man, but dude, like last night, God, you know, we, I talk about like, hey, if Kyrie's there, you can't double KD. Well, if Ben Simmons can catch the ball in the middle of the floor and attack four on three, I think certainly you have to reconsider that strategy. And boy, it would have been nice to throw six foot ten athletic Ben Simmons at Luka Doncic, who's going for thirty seven and nine. You know, if if Ben Simmons is in that game, maybe they don't have to double Luka on that last possession. He doesn't kick yep. it to Dinwiddie for uh, for the game winning three, like. Even if it's not like, even if there's some clunkiness, there are very 
obvious ways that Ben's adding Ben Simmons to the mix could majorly benefit uh, the the Nets. Um, but at this point, I I think if you're looking at it from the Nets' perspective, anything you get from Simmons the rest of the season has almost got to be put in the bonus category. Man, I mean, this is just this is just a lost season, man. This is two. This is a team that when they came together, you thought maybe they weren't a guaranteed champion, but you had to figure, give them four years, they were going to get one. Well, honestly, they came together, and you're thinking that it's a potential dynasty. Now, yeah. Well, right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna stop right here. I got I got something to say about Kyrie Irving. It's not we're not gonna talk about the vaccine stuff. We're gonna talk about Kyrie Irving the player. People act like Kyrie Irving, the player, is Stephen Curry. I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. The guy has never gotten an MVP vote. He's never gotten a first-team All-NBA vote. He has made second-team All-NBA one time. He's made three All-NBA teams in his career, and he's always hurt. So he's a and he's and a he hit he hit a, a game seven winning. Yes, shot. he hit. I mean, he hit one always. He hit. He's always hurt or hurting the team. He hit yeah. one of the greatest shots of in playoff history. No question. He's a unbelievably talented scorer. Okay. He's also sabotaged this year's team. He sabotaged mm. the 2019 Celtics. Yeah. The first four years of his career with this, with the Cavs, they were an unmitigated disaster. His career was rescued by LeBron deciding to show up and be on his team for three years of his career. I should say 11 to 14. Mm-hmm. So, but people act like he's Stephen Curry or Kevin Durant, like he's on the same level as Kevin Durant. Like they, Kevin Durant got asked after the game where Kyrie scored 60. They're the greatest duo of all time. He's not, he's not one of the top two duos Kevin Durant's ever played with. Yeah. You know how I said, (laughs) you know how I said that, uh, that's true. Uh, Maybe, maybe not top three. Shoot. We can go down the list, but you know how I said, like with, with cat to declare yourself the greatest something of all time, you have to have at least 100, uh, playoff points, career playoff points. (laughs) Right. Well, to, to, to be the greatest duo of all time, it requires more than one Uno series win. I mean, well, you know, which Kyrie was injured for. Well, yeah. and, and again, like, like, that's why I cut you off on the dynasty thing. Like, I if, said, if potential Kevin Durant, dynasty. If Kevin, Durant had, if Kevin Durant had chose to play with Kawhi Leonard, yes, that could have been a potential no, dynasty. Listen, when they, when they traded for Harden, you had two at the time. MVP caliber players and Kyrie as the number three guy. Yeah, like, come I, that's on, dude. different. That's different. You said when they went to Brooklyn. That's what. I, I, that's what when I'm I saying. when I said they. I meant I meant the whole group. But even I mean, and look, we can we can go back. Like KD choosing to team up with Kyrie, knowing the history of unpredictability. You know, sometimes you got to be careful of, uh, of of what you're wishing for, and, and he's dealing with that. I just I just think the conversation around Kyrie, the player is wild and i always have because he yeah, i just but he can go think get, he's he, yes he can score 60 he can he's yeah. not a good or, defensive or, player or, or 50 something on you know whatever 19 shots i mean yes. he's an unbelievably talented player if, if i'm playing a one-on-one game and i need a and i need buckets then sure Kyrie is great and i would pick him pretty high but basketball playing in the nba is more than just getting buckets which i know is why Kyrie is this Hugely, here's what I'm going to push back on Kyrie. It's proven you can be a not just a contender, but a champion with Kyrie as your second best player. That is a proven that's true, but 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 but, it's been proven if to Bontemps' point, he's he's a decade into the NBA or more than that. I think he got drafted in 11. 11th, it's his 11th NBA seat. He's pretty much gotten. Maybe not the minimum that he could have gotten out of that in terms of team success, but way less than it could have been. And this is another season. Yeah, that's fair. That 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 you know is going to involve Kyrie. That's going to be chalked up as a as a lost season. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off 
your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. CSX Transportation is an industry leader on the move. The railroad company has immediate openings for freight train conductors. Join the CSX team and start your paid-on-the-job training today, earning nearly $25 per hour with no degree required. If you're safety-focused with a passion for great service, you've got what it takes to move your career forward at CSX. Apply at csx.com careers. That's csx.com careers. CSX is an equal opportunity employer. It's been proven Kyrie could be the second best player on a championship team if the best player on the championship team is arguably the greatest player of all time. Well, guess what? Kevin Durant ain't too far from from that conversation. No, I understand that. But I'm saying, like, again, people treat him like he's Stephen Curry. Like one of the 10 or 15 best players of all time. Like people were debating whether this guy should have been on the top all on the all 75 team, which was completely insane. Mm-hmm. Like his resume is nowhere near any of these people that are on the all 75 team. Like he's a border. <laughs> I don't even think he's got a hall of fame so, resume so, at this point, other than making hmm, that shot in game seven. Hmm, uh, when you look at, when you look at his actual accomplishments on the court, he doesn't have Kyrie. That if Kyrie with his contract up at the end of the season said, that's it. I'm taking my, my uh, my peace pipe, and I'm heading off to the hills. Would he be a Hall of Famer? I think he would yeah, make I the Hall of Fame be. because yeah, of be. his because of how people view him. I don't think his resume stacks nearly up with the people who are in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's, that's you're talking about point. you're comparing him to Steph Curry, like you know Clay Thompson. You know Clay Thompson was considered have, a snub. He doesn't right. He doesn't have Clay Thompson's resume. Like he he just doesn't. That's fair. I mean, Clay did have does have three championships, five finals appearances. He was uh, one of the best two way guards in the Mm -hmm. league. Like, but that's my point. Like, it's just uh, forget all the vaccine stuff. That's a whole other conversation. Like the conversation around Kyrie, the player to me has always just been wild. He's it's just like he's not he's not a guy that's ever proven he can win by himself because when he's because when he's good, he is. um, Yes. Yeah. He's it, yeah. When he's got a role, he's legendary. He's very fun to watch. I just he is. It's just he's just like I said. He's treated like a top five player in the league. Well, and like the, when the when the Nets traded for James Harden, he was clearly the third best player on the team by a significant yeah. amount. You know, and they traded for him in part because he was. They were not sure if he's going to be available, which right. is also a part of this that people just gloss over. You know, yeah, set aside this stuff that's going on now. Well, anyway. I, 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 with the Simmons, I mean, he was always sort of a, an unknown. Now I would say he's a known and then he's known that he's not going to be able to contribute. I don't know how he could. So I just don't know where that I, goes. I, 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 I playoffs. I still put him in the unknown. Like maybe he's able to come back at the end of the regular season. And I still, I still put him in, again, I put him in the bonus category. Well, I, I mean, so, that's that to me, that's where you have to have them. They're, the they're hanging category. around there at number eight. And this is what we were talking about earlier with, with the seating situation. If they can somehow avoid having to, to have Toronto in the seven, I mean, let's just say they stay in eight. Mm-hmm. They can avoid Toronto in the seven so that they can get Kyrie for their play in game. And let's say it's Cleveland. I, you know, we're not Jared Allen maybe should be able to be back for the end of the regular season. I don't know. But if the Nets have Kyrie going into Cleveland with Kyrie and Durant, I mean, obviously. Well, by, and by the way, now here, here's the thing we should lay out. So there's a four loss gap from the Cavs and Raptors to the Nets. There's also a four last four loss gap from the Cavs and Raptors to the Bucks and Sixers in second. So that's the that's how compact two to seven is in the East right. right now. Chicago Bulls are two losses ahead of the Raptors and Cavs. They have and the have hardest the toughest, schedule. Yeah, that's right. Toughest schedule left. And they've been very bad for a while. Mm. So, and they, I think their record is now two and 16 against teams with better records than them this season. So that's going to be something to watch too, because you could have the Bulls who, by the way, the Bulls, by the time the playoffs roll around, could have Lonzo ball back, could have Patrick Williams back are going to be a much better team than they've been the past couple months when they struggled with no Alex Caruso and neither of those guys playing. 
You could have the Bulls sitting there in seventh, fully healthy, ready to go against the Nets in, in that game, which, you know, if I'm the Nets, I'm certainly hoping I play Cleveland because I wouldn't want to play Chicago and I certainly don't want to play Toronto where Kyrie can't play. Right, but if you're who, who's ever sitting there in the two, whether that's it, Milwaukee, it won't be the Sixers. It's gonna, Sixers it's gonna be, it's it's gonna be Milwaukee <laughs> yeah. at this okay. point. Unless Milwaukee catches, unless Milwaukee catches Miami, they're two back of Miami, and I'm sure they're gonna be trying like hell to catch Miami for the one. Well, Milwaukee right now is only a game ahead of the Sixers, so I'm saying the Sixers will make sure it's not the Sixers. I okay, believe. well, yeah. what about the Celtics? The Celtics, they don't seem to care who they play. They're rolling through everybody. They're they just. They just rolled through the Warriors uh, on Wednesday night. Of the course. Celtics, the Celtics, Steph, I could maybe see Steph, getting up Steph there too. Hurt. I could maybe see the Celtics getting up there too. But I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like uh, as we get down to this stretch run here, I mean, I don't know if these teams are going to try to avoid Brooklyn. Oh, I can tell you, there's going to be there's people are watching the standings. Like I'm, t- yeah. I'm talking to these teams, people are watching mm-hmm. the standings already. Like yes. you know, Spears talked about it on Monday. There's. Yes. There's, I, don't, there's, I don't know if the Bucks or watching. Celtics will. I do know this. I like, I'm pretty confident the Sixers will. Everybody's watching the standings. Everybody, everybody is curious to see where it winds up. Now, I don't know if everybody's going to necessarily be trying to uh, engineer a certain outcome. I think it's safe to say certain teams will. But I, I think everybody is watching to see where the Nets wind up. Because whatever you think about the Nets' overall chances – you don't want to see a healthy Kevin Durant in a first Hell round no. of the playoffs. Hell no. Oh, my God. So that's going to be a running storyline. Uh, all right. Before we go, you had a great stat in your story today, McMahon. Actually, McMahon, you had a story that came out yesterday about Lucas passing. Definitely go read uh, that. It was great. You check that out. Spend some time on that one, I feel like, McMahon. <laughs> Um, indicating he doesn't usually spend time yeah, on things. That's right. Much <laughs> better than the crap you usually slap on. <laughs> that's right. The keyboard. Yeah. Um, I just tried to give you a compliment, man. He's just coming in here backhand. <laughs> <laughs> that's the windy experience. Yeah, at, at least yeah. my insults are direct. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. There is no. You're you're not exactly known for your nuance, but man. Um, oh lordy! The that you had in, in today's. <laughs> The stat you had in today's story about the uh, the Mavericks clutch play, could you detail? Yeah, uh, and, you know we that? talked about this in a recent pod. They were dead last, the worst clutch team in the league through you know the first couple of days of February. That they had a February second overtime loss at home to the Thunder. They were minus thirty four point five net rating at that point. <laughs> Since then. And this is a, a 38 minute over 13 game sample size. Oh, small, but not tiny. Uh, their net rating is like plus 50 and ch- point something. So they're plus 53 in 38 minutes. They are by far the best clutch team over the last month and a half. And, you know, there are a lot of factors there, but Spencer Dinwiddie, who has hit game winning threes off of Luca feeds in the last two games uh, in Boston and last night. In Brooklyn, the first game-winning buzzer beater of his career, Spencer Dinwiddie has been an absolute massive factor in the Mavs morphing into this clutch monster. And it, it, it's it's funny how quickly a reputation can be repaired in the NBA. And Spencer doesn't hide from this. Like He basically got blamed for the Wizards being kind of a, a dysfunctional circus. Like He took a lot of hits or – you know, reports came out, you know, and, you know, like basically he was a problem in the locker room. You know, he's a bad guy, blah, blah, blah. He's got a new lease of, on life in, in Dallas. Um, and, you know, this guy is he scored 23 points in 19 clutch minutes. It's coming to Dallas. I mean, he's been and we're talking about he's been a he was a huge factor in a comeback from 19 down in the fourth quarter to beat the Warriors for on the road, 12 down in the fourth quarter to beat the uh, the Nets last night. You know, they, they came from behind to beat the Celtics. And, you know, it's a sometimes fit and scenery and an opportunity just makes such a massive and difference. Why is it, McMahon? So obviously, in what happened in the game uh, Wednesday night, they trap Luka at the end. He releases it out to Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's yeah. wide open, hits the shot. Well, it was a tough it, shot. Dragic actually got a decent contest on it. That's true. So... 
why what is the reason why this change how does it free up luca how does it affect you know why is it working well i think a, a part of this is luca has quickly tr- formed a trust and luca trust everybody who's on the floor with him now you know and there's no you know it, everybody so is that a is that a nuanced discussion on uh, Porzingis? Is that what that just you know? Right there? I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of that, and and again, I've said it before. It wasn't like he was butting heads with Porzingis this year. The the really painful passive aggressiveness from last season wasn't there, but they just didn't click. And you know, if you're playing for the Mavericks, you're playing off of Luca, and so a KP post up is just clogging things up. It's interrupting things. There's none of that now. All these guys. So, and I actually was talking to Dinwiddie about this after practice the other day. There is role definition. That's kind of one level. And then there's role acceptance. That's the second level of that. And what the Mavericks have around Luca is a bunch of guys who have role enthusiasm. They not only accept the roles, but they're excited about them. You know, they, they know exactly, okay, here's how I fit. Here's what they need. And, and they're all in on it. And for Dinwiddie, you know, basically like, he is shooting over his head right now in terms of his career three point percentage. I'm sure there will be some regression there, uh, but his role is is essentially, hey, play off of Luca. The defense is going to be shifted that way. Want you in attack mode, and then you know during the times when when Luca's resting for whatever it is, 12 minutes a game, you and Brunson are going to be on the floor together, play off of each other, and it's you know I th- it, 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 in Washington. There were a lot of eager mouths to feed. A lot of guys who are young in their career, you know, were playing for contracts. This guy want to touch. This guy want to touch. Kuzma, you know, kind of wants to be a star on the rise. KCP, I am a proven championship player. You know, Montrezl Harrell's always going to and so and we go on to obviously Beal is going to be. The, it just got, you know, whatever the reasons were, it got off the rails. And Dinwiddie is pretty well known. He does have a tendency to be the smartest guy in the room and whether that's accurate or not in terms of the IQ, I think he's often right, but it might rub people the wrong way. Um, but again, he came to Dallas and it's like Morgan Freeman, you know, emerging from the prison sewer on the other side, baby, you know, woo, he's Morgan. <laughs> Fre- Jeez, buddy. Tim Robbins. Oh, Fre- hell, Andy my Dufresne. bad. Morgan Freeman t- walked out, buddy. But that's okay. You knew what I meant. It was such, a, it was such a beautiful analogy. It was. It was a good. It was a good attempt. In a while, it was uh, a good attempt. The, uh, you know, I was close. It's not all that often. The other thing. What I meant. The other thing worth pointing out, I think, is something that uh, old friend of the Mavericks, Araldus Fulgaris, pointed out last night on Twitter while I was watching the game from my couch, uh, which was that if you go back a couple of years ago to when the Thunder had that stunning season of success with Chris Paul. They had all the success with Shea Gilders, Alexander, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder on the court. It's three guards who could all attack, right? Allows you to attack the defense from all different angles. And adding Spencer Dinwiddie to the mix and having Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie playing off of Luka Doncic. You saw it in the game when they beat the Celtics the other day. They could, Luka could attack the paint. And then when the defense collapsed on him, he could kick it out to those guys. And not only are they capable of making a shot like Spencer has the last couple of games, but they can then attack the defense themselves. And when you get the defense scrambled like that, and you can attack from multiple angles in multiple places and have multiple paint touches on one possession, it makes it that much harder for your team to guard as opposed to just having Luca driving into the paint and kicking out the guys who are kind of standstill shooters. You might know where they're going to be, but it's a little simpler for your team to guard that. And, and I think that's been a, a huge advantage for Dallas now. Yeah. And they're going to have, you know, a, a uh, like Dorian Finney-Smith is a standstill shooter. Who, like Finney-Smith has become a really good complimentary offensive player because yep. he's either catching and shooting, moving it, or very decisively attacking a closeout. And that gets back to, you know, role definition, acceptance, and enthusiasm. The ball's never going to stop with him, or he's catching it on a cut. Uh, you know, Bullock, uh, the same way, except for not a whole lot of attacking closeouts there. Um, but it, it, it will be interesting. So Dinwiddie has started – the last uh, he, he started several times here because Brunson missed a game or two. Uh, Reggie Bullock, who's you know quietly been a very high value mid level signing for them, just giving them another kind of defensive, I call it Swiss Army knife guy capable mm-hmm. of guarding multiple positions. 
He's been out this so far this road trip uh, due to personal reasons. That's why Dinwiddie started these last couple games. It and Dinwiddie will when Bullock gets back and when they've got their full cast, he'll come off the bench. What's going to be interesting are the decisions Jay Kidd has to make on closing lineups. Uh, do you go with those three guards? You know what? You know, it sure seems like they're going to close the way they have been the last couple games, right? Well, it's it's gotten to the point where Dinwiddie's definitely got to be on the floor. I mean, he is. He's. I been can't see him taking Jalen off the court. They they have uh, that's happened before. That uh, I'm I'm forgetting the exact game, but uh, no, I think it was against the Jazz at home. Uh, Brunson did sit down the stretch, so I, I I think that's there's a game to game decision there. But I don't think the decision is going to be, is Dinwiddie out there? I think it's who's out there with Luca, Dinwiddie, and uh, I think Dorian Finney-Smith will be out there every time too. So Luca's usage rate since the trade is down pretty significantly. His shooting is up. Um, some of the best shooting stretch of his career right now. Uh, will well, this... they, just de- they desperately need another ball handler. I think you'd agree mm-hmm. with that, yeah. fan. Like, D- just adding another guy to take some just of the load sit- off of him and yeah, li- that's huge. what I was going to ask is just reducing the stress on him because we know that that's a big factor for the Mavs. Well, you're, you're reducing the stress on him. Um, even sometimes, like, they, they, they run a lot of, of dribble handoff stuff for him where he doesn't have to bring the ball up the floor and kind of go through that grind. Um, you know, but he's still able to, to, to finish plays. I think that stuff, you know, it's, it's little things, but I think that kind of reduces the, the wear and tear on him. He is in drastically better shape than he was earlier this season. Now, I still, I still maintain to, to get in really good shape by NBA standards. You have to come to camp in good shape. That's kind of the next step for him going into next season. Like, if he comes to camp in shape, he's, I think he's the MVP favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's, it's that simple. So that's his next, that's the next step, the next challenge for him. But like last year, he was so spectacular in that first round series against the Clippers. But there were, you know, late in some of those losses, uh, he, he ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. Now he is in better shape than I think he was at any point last year. He's lighter than he was, um, you know, with, with Dinwiddie and Brunson has gotten, you know, better this year. There is more ball, certainly more ball handling around him. Um, I think it's a, it's a, so, you know, it's a better situation uh, to, you know, for, for Luca to be able to finish strong. And, and again, all you got to look at is this team's plus 53 and 38 clutch minutes over the last month and a half. And, and again, they're not, you know, these are beating Boston and, and Brooklyn and, and the Warriors on the road, you know, beating uh, the Jazz at home, you know, the, the Warriors at home. Uh, it's, it's not like it's, it's just a, a soft stretch of schedule. And by the way, you've got Chris Paul out with this thumb injury. We'll see by the time this pod comes out. We'll know what happened with this MRI with Steph Curry's foot from this yeah. play when Marcus Smart fell on him last night. When, you know, just by Steve Kerr's comments after the game, that sounded kind of ominous. Anytime you hear about a left foot injury, I've, it's getting an I've, MRI. I've seen that injury that it was this actually a similar play to Solomon Hill with LeBron last year. Yeah. It reminded me so much years ago of Matthew Dellavedova, and I had to write all about it then. Again, being accused of a dirty play, diving into Kyle Korver's foot, chasing a loose ball. I've seen this play happen many times, yeah. and the it's always a debate about whether it was a whether it was a dirty play or the guy just being aggressive. But it leads to injuries. That is the. Yeah. Abs- yeah, it is unfortunately a, a play that generates injuries. I think dirty is strong. You reckless, maybe, but listen, Marcus Smart makes his living making hustle plays. He was hustling for a loose ball. He didn't. I I just cannot fathom I've seen that he I've targeted seen the foot. I know, I know, man. I've seen this before. It this exact play. I've yeah, seen I mean, I, I think this is a lot different than the Delva Dova play, for example. But that's that's just my opinion. But. Uh, regardless of that, the specifics on that Dallas is playing awesome. And mm-hmm. some of these other contenders in the West are having some key injuries and I, it's just yeah. that it could all be breaking the right way for Dallas heading into the playoffs. So they're, I'm assuming Chris right Paul now they're right tied for, the playoffs. for, yeah, I mean, he's already doing some shooting and stuff. Yeah. He'll be, he'll be back in the short term uh, right now though. Dallas is um, 
tied for tied fourth, for four. essentially. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. And, and, and three, the, three losses back, uh, three losses back of the Warriors with thirteen to go. It's going to be if Steph has to miss some time, that could get very interesting. The way the Mavs are playing right now, the only team in the West that I would not pick them to beat in the series are the Suns, and I'm assuming Chris Paul will be right for the playoffs. If the Warriors are, you know, if they've got Draymond rolling and Steph is healthy, you know, I I, w- I would pick the boat. You know, that we got to wait and see on uh, on some injury news with the Warriors. But other than that, I mean, the, the Mavericks, and it's not just right now. It's it's over, you know, almost a three month span now, two and a half months. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the Mavs are are pretty well built to play Phoenix too, especially now that they can play a little small. We've seen with you know that's kind of been the question: how can the Suns match up if you can you know pull eight away from the basket? They don't really have a way to play small. They basically just got traditional centers. Like it's, I'd love to see that series. If that's the second it, round, of one four, be a hell of a series. It'd be a fascinating series. I don't think they have an answer for Aiton, and. uh as great as the Mavericks have been, and we just, I just gloat about their their clutch success. <laughs> well, they're not the Suns, but you know what? The, man, the Suns is still the McMahon best. You know what, though, too? You know what, though, too? The Mavs would have the best player in that series. Like, yeah. that's but be I think the very Clippers, interesting. You, you want to know why else it would be interesting? Is because McMahon has some nightlife spots lined up in Phoenix. That's why. The first of all, I am, listen, I, I am, I'm old and washed and, i'm and trying to end the pod four. here it's just let me let me grease it right out no, no don't just like don't just be, like uh, morgan you ain't gonna, just, you ain't gonna, just like uh, morgan freeman going through that that pipe greasing it right out. in trouble brother <laughs> what? what the hell are you talking about <laughs> he's taking shots at me for getting my act yeah no confused. i under, i yes i understand that all right uh thank Ugh. you listen to the hoop collective podcast <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week adios amigos and my enemies <laughs>